morning, good afternoon, good evening. My name is Marty Plum, and I am your host of a pen and a napkin podcast, the weekly coaching clinic you can carry around with you in your pocket. Welcome back to another Snow Valley Roundtable. And we have three new guests. We have a fourth guest. Co- Coach Godfrey is in the back working on his Snow Valley report cards, which I'll be doing, as is Coach Levine back there, my roommate from Coach Palisades, California. Los Angeles, Los Angeles, California. So uh, they're in from all over the country, including my three guests here um, from the Commonwealth of Massachusetts, the Animal Slayer, the Deer Slayer, <laughs> the Bear Slayer, Liz Kay. Hello, Liz. Hi, how are you? I'm doing well. Doing Thanks for catching us not on the last day when none of us have a voice. So. <laughs> yeah. Exactly, exactly. Ryan McAdams from Arkansas Fort Smith, women's basketball coach there. Coach, welcome back. Thanks, Marty. Great to be here. Appreciate yeah. you putting this together. Yeah. And for the first time, a newbie. And he lives like 20 minutes away from me. We drove four hours to do this. Tim Lucian, the head boys basketball coach at Millard South High School in the suburbs of Omaha, Nebraska. Tim? Thanks for having me, Coach. Yeah. Now, if Tim and I talk at an elevated intelligence level compared to everybody else, <laughs> it's because we are both graduates of Briarcliff College, the Harvard of the Heartland, the Princeton of the Plains, the Columbia of the Cornfields. So we, we apologize in advance if, if we are just at, a, at a, a, another step or two ahead. Right, Tim? We'll, tr- we'll try to dumb it down a little bit for everybody. So yes. We appreciate that yes. very much. <laughs> My degree from Briarcliff College proves just one thing, that anybody can get a college degree from somewhere. <laughs> That's exactly what it proves. So, no, I'm just, I'm just joking slightly. Um, so, we are here. We are back in the dorms at Snow Valley. We got about, uh, we got about 40, 45 minutes to chat here. So, um, you know, we kind of started off with this yesterday. You know, what's special about Snow Valley? Why are you here? Why, why do you keep coming back? You know, uh, you know, for Tim and I, it's a car ride. For Ryan, it's a long car ride. Mm-hmm. And yep. Liz, you're leaving I'm on, on a plane. I'm not on driving a, that far. You're <laughs> leaving on a jet plane. So, you know, what, you know, how many years have you been here, and and why do you keep coming back? Because I know we're all veterans of it. So, Tim, we'll start with you, man. So I had worked uh, the boys' snow valley years ago in Iowa, and for the brief uh, spurt that they had them in Nebraska, mm-hmm. then I had about a ten-year hiatus, and then. And those were always the boys' camps that I worked. And then my daughter was old enough two years ago to start attending Snow Valley. So I returned to Snow Valley to, to bring my daughter because it's uh, not only a, a great camp for kids, but it's a great camp for coaches to learn from, from some of the best in the game. Yeah, yeah. Coach? Yeah, I was a GA at Cal Poly San Luis Obispo on the men's side in I'm looking at my phone because I took these notes. Uh, 2002, (laughs) actually, I was an assistant at Cuesta Community College. So I I did nine years in California at the original Snow Valley, Uh and then I got tied into Iowa, and this is my sixth year in Iowa. Um, And similar to what Tim just said, like, my daughter's a 13-year-old eighth grader. This is her second summer at Snow Valley. So I had a full circle moment last summer when she came in as a first-time camper. But uh, what I like to tell folks who will listen is, like I developed my coaching philosophy here. You know, 
you you're you know you're a clinic observer you're a lunch table listener you're a you know you just watch so much things that are shared this is such a genuine intentional sharing community of basketball minds that i literally developed my post defensive philosophies or what have you here at the snow valley camps over the years so i think that has just along with the nostalgia of being here and revisiting with friends i think also just the value of being a part of a community like this has just been incredible you're you mentioned the lunch table thing i mean we were literally sitting next to each other 15 minutes ago right and it was idea, 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 right. idea. Just it was like a, a pinball, just boom, 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 yeah. all over the place, you know. And it's, it's day three. You're sleep deprived. You're sore, but everybody's still anxious and excited to share stuff. And I, that's that's one of the things I I truly enjoy as a coach. So, Liz. Uh, well, you better at least have a pen and a napkin every time you go to lunch because <laughs> uh, it's funny. We were just doing the same thing. I'm, we were drawing, drawing diagrams at the table, um, talking about clinics, but. Honestly, I get lost in the in the COVID era, so I, I think it's been seven years. But there's the BC and the AC, the before COVID and the after COVID, and I can't remember if it's been seven years or eight years, but one yeah. of the two. Um, and and I've always done the girls' camp, but I, and there's been a couple years when I've done the boys' camp as well. So, uh-huh. that, uh, which comes with its pros and its cons because I can't feel my legs certainly by the end of both, um, or or my face really because I'm so tired, but. But the relationships, um, uh, you got a lot of old school, passionate, some of those passionate coaches that exist, Uh Uh, whether they're coming in from all over the world. I mean, I was fortunate to get hooked up with a a Snow Valley alum who I've worked with for several years and fly down to Mexico City and tell us about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, Go, go, tell us about it. Snow Valley in Mexico City, Geo. Uh Um, And uh, it, it was the inaugural year of it. And he did a boys' camp with some Snow Valley guys, uh, Marshall Cho and Roger Cox, um, for the boys. And then he brought down Mo Boykins and I to do uh, the first inaugural session with the girls, which was one of the most life-changing experiences I've been a part of. And that doesn't happen without the relationships that we've developed here. Uh-huh. Um, you know, the beauty of having people from all over the country is that when it's uh, 2 in the morning and I just had a bad loss... And so I know somebody in California, and it's only 11 o'clock there. They're, they're awake. Right. Um, right. I've had people breaking down film for me. Uh-oh. I've had people giving me reassuring advice. Um, but but you don't come here unless you're a special kind of passionate coach. Yeah. Um, and Iowa kids, I don't know about the Midwest. There's something about the Midwest. The kids out here, they work their tails off. Um, not to say that I don't love my, my children in Massachusetts, but yeah. if you're going to be on the court for 14 hours a day, you at least you gotta love yeah, it. Yeah, well, it's it's either that or you're you're out uh, detasseling corn or you're you're you know so going to the gym is is, is and and I say that a, a bit tongue in cheek but also yeah. somewhat seriously. You know, I had I had two friends in high school, who, uh, Dick Jungers, who's been on here numerous times, and 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 uh, going to the gym was a relief, you know, because the dad was a hog farmer, farmed a little bit of land, and. You know, so hey, this is joy. This is bliss. This isn't a burden to go to the gym. This is, you know, and I, and I, and I think that you know, it's it is a compliment. I, I think it's, you know, the flyover states kind of get a bad rap for a lot of different things, but there's a lot of good things that that come out of this. And with the success of in our region, 
you know, obviously Iowa with like Caitlin Clark the last couple of years, but Iowa State's been really good. Uh, DePaul Creighton made it to the Elite Eight uh, two seasons two seasons ago, wasn't it? Yeah, two years ago. Uh, you know, Missouri's had you know. So I mean, so there's there's a lot of good stuff that are com- that's coming out of this area, and that comes from good ball players that are willing to put in the work. So I'm I'm here just because of the money. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I'll, I'll spend it all. I better check it. in with admin then. <laughs> the charter flights, right? Yeah, charter flight, <laughs> right. yeah, yeah. Charter flight on a paper airplane, maybe something like that. So, um, so we we, we got four things lined up here. Hopefully, we're able to get to them all. Um, like we we got to get back to the gym here in about fifty minutes. So, uh, let's talk. One of the things that came up um, was whose idea was to talk about scheduling and practice. Was that you, Tim? Yeah, I yeah. Was just, so, just curious what how it works in other states and what what other coaches at all levels uh, uh-huh. deal with as far as as far as scheduling, um, just as far as the school day goes. You know, how many places have activity periods built right into the day? Um, how many places have the full school day and all your activities are still extracurricular? Uh-huh. Um, and just how we can continue to work to to make it best for best for kids. Yeah, because for us. It's all before or after school. We, we in Nebraska, we don't have anything built in like that. I don't think it's allowed by the state, correct? You know, so uh, we're not allowed to do that. Liz, what do you what do you have out in Massachusetts? We're after school. Um, gosh, if you did it before school, I, I'd probably <laughs> I'd be in an office. Uh, no, it, it's it's a gym rotation after school. Um, you know, in terms of practice scheduling and and. Uh, yeah, I'm not allowed to work with my kids before or after the season at all. So. Oh, really? Yeah. Um, so it really is purely within within the boundaries of the season and within the boundaries of after the school day. So can you do like X amount of weeks before whatever it is? Like in my situation, my school is really small, so we basically have to wait till all the fall sports are done, and we we have about a two week window where we can come in, do some conditioning, let them, you know. Um, throw the balls out we can't coach them but go play some pickup you know that type of thing we can arrange that day. you can't do that at all i as long as 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 long as i or no one on my coaching staff including the volunteers cannot work with the kids until day one of practice mm-hmm. um that said if their fall season ends they can do open gyms mm-hmm. i can do non-sports specific stuff if i mm-hmm. wanted to go in the weight room with them or yeah. do whatever strength and conditioning i can do that mm-hmm. but if it's sports specific I, I can't i can't touch them which honestly Having spoken to a lot of people, even even with Iowa, and they talk a lot about like summer softball and the dead period and different things, which is fascinating to me. Um, I have a lot of multi-sport kids. I don't want them to feel pressured. There's no overlap time between seasons. I know that, mm-hmm. for example, in Georgia, um, like Nicole's talked to me a lot about, there's actually an overlap time. So mm-hmm. kids are put in a really hard position, I think, versus yeah. ours. You know, unfortunately, like we were in the state finals last year, which is great. But when you're playing at Sunday at noon, and then they got to go to sports practice for spring season on Monday. Yeah. But it's the very last day. Yeah. But there's zero overlap, even if you make it towards the end. Yeah. Yeah. I can speak to Arkansas. That you know, um, they, the smaller class schools where the kids are multi-sport athletes more commonly. Um, although I'm actually a huge ambassador for multi-sport kids of all levels. But uh, you know, they they'll bleed right into each season. I think it can really. It can really help, uh, you know, the idea of different muscle groups, different voices, those sorts of things. Um, 
Then Arkansas, where my daughter's an eighth grader, she has junior high basketball and volleyball in first period of school. So she can get out of the car and go to practice. Now, they're on the floor about 40 minutes, 45 minutes, and that's the whole day for them. That's like their allotted practice time because by the time, and not another kid's shower, which I'm sure they love in eighth grade, uh, going through their whole school day after a stinky basketball practice. But um, they're... You know, that's their allotted time. And then after school, they really don't have anything sport-related. Texas is a similar deal where I know that they build in their activity out classes toward the end of the day from what I've heard from some folks where they'll go to school the first part, they'll go to practice within sixth or seventh period, and then they'll go home. So when I was in, growing up in California, it was it was after school, and it was three girls' teams, three boys' teams, two gyms, and, you know, you were you were lobbying to not have the last slot that carved into <laughs> dinner time. So yeah. I think, you know, each each state is, has their own. But that's the current state or situation, I should say, in Arkansas. What would you like to see change, Tim? Or not necessarily change, but if, if you had your druthers, how would you how would you what would be a positive change if you were gonna add that in? Yeah, just look looking for ways to make the day more more efficient for kids, uh-huh. right? Because you know, right now, um, in the season, right, we'd practice our JV varsity three thirty to five thirty, and our freshmen are gonna go five thirty to seven thirty. And then we also have to find time to lift. So now you're going 3.30 to 5.30 and maybe 45 minutes in the weight room. Mm-hmm. Um, now when do you build in your film time? Um, you know, and then as soon as the gym is empty with those high school teams, now your youth programs are mm-hmm. are, are right behind them. And it's uh, if you're working with your youth kids, that makes can make a really long day, especially yeah. if you do stuff anything before school. Yeah. Right? Um, so, no, it's just interesting to hear what other states are doing um, just to make it efficient for their kids. Yeah. You know, some of our, our students have long kids have long days. If they if they come in and lift at six thirty, let's say, uh-huh. then you have a full day of school. Then you have two plus hours of practice. That, yeah. Homework maybe. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Then, then right. Yeah, yeah. 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 No. And, and, oh yeah. And some of them even still have part time jobs. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I'm not saying and that jobs, there's right. yeah. that there's an e- a, a better way. I'm just interested in learning. Yeah. What other places do and so one of the things and and I hope. Uh, I don't want to get TJ in trouble, but we talked about this right before I left for vacation. Um, one of the things that he wants to propose is uh, we have our kids lift three days a week, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, 6.30 to 7.30. Okay, but again, like you said, 6.30 to 7.30, school all day, practice. That's 11-hour day minimum. Right. You, know, uh, you know, can we check with our guidance department with our administration can we have a specific period for weight training for 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 that type of thing and that at least takes some of that burden off of their time we can take that hour of strength training and build it into their school day and 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 not to say that other classes whether you know it's you know like the classes i teach they have to take but other electives aren't important they are important but have it be an elective that if a if an athlete chooses to do that and and we're 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 resting their bodies more. They get more sleep in the mornings. Right. Uh, you know, they get that extra hour of of hopefully sleep and not tick tocking. You know, right. and, and and stuff. But uh, that will help them build into it. So I I, I like that part. I, I think that's a great idea. It's it's interesting because I, I I don't I don't coach at the same school that I teach at. Oh, that's just, right. Yeah. Right. So yep. I just entered public education this year um, on the academic side, but I've always coached public school. And I'm actually co-teaching a course next year. I teach biology. 
uh, we're calling it building an athlete, basically. And I'm combining with one of the PE teachers to do strength conditioning, uh, muscle, you know, body systems, nutrition. So we're actually combining, you know, those things where maybe you're lifting certain days of the week, but also combining the important things. The educational of, stuff. Of the education. I can sum up that class for you in 90 minutes. I know, right? Ivan Drago from Rocky IV. Right. That's all you got to do. Or, or you just go on chat GPT and it's all right there for you. So you're all set. I was crushed. Yeah. <laughs> well, the sleep, the sleep thing, too. I mean, the homework mm-hmm. is so invaluable, but the sleep is critical, especially for that age group, right? Yeah. You know, in the developmental years. And, um, you know, I, I like you say, I don't know if there's an answer to it, but just the discussions. You have your academia said at our level, like our enrollment seven thousand. So what our my prototype practice time would be, like it was at New Mexico State at my previous stop. We we were on the floor from about nine forty five until maybe noonish, you know, or eleven eleven thirty. When when my son was at Nebraska, yeah. uh, they practiced. He had yeah. to be at the gym at seven at seven thirty every morning, and they yeah. started practice at eight eight fifteen, yeah. and and they went from eight fifteen to. You know, and as a manager, he had to manipulate his own academic schedule to to fit that to be there yeah. consistently. So, but it's just the way my boss, per, uh, you know, would say is just go be a normal human being once you're done. You know, and so they could sleep in, practice, and then go be a student. But that was at a school of eighteen thousand enrollment. There were classes available in the afternoon and evening hours. At yeah. our place now, I'm seven thousand enrollment. The classes that we have to choose from are in the mornings, and so now we run into very you know much more similar situations as yours. And I, like you say, I don't know if there's an answer to it, but there's a lot of, you know, I also think that with the mental health shift, right, and the overall wellness shift, that's no longer an academic and an athletic conversation. Uh-huh. Those institutions, coaches, teachers who are willing to go to that third level of, of the kids' well-being, you know, I think it just almost complicates or just, you know, involves more discussion, uh-huh. you know, with yeah. the time of things and the process of things. Yeah, Absolutely. Absolutely. Let's talk more scheduling. Um, putting together a schedule, you know. Um, what are the things that you look at? You know, uh, now, now Tim's in a different situation where the class A, uh, the state does pretty much all of your scheduling. Correct. But obviously, Ryan is college coach. You're putting together your schedule. Liz, in your high school situation, you're putting together your own schedule. And to a degree, that's what that's what we do too, you know. And and uh, you know, so what are some things that you consider, Tim, when you get an opportunity to add in a game or two or drop drop or add? What are, what are you know uh, to to get your angle on it? You know, what are what are some things that you consider when you're when you're putting that all together? You know, uh, Liz, we'll start with you. Uh well, our league our league schedule set, so we have 13 games that are locked in. Yeah. Whether we want to play them or not, that's yeah. what we're playing. Um, I, I somewhat laugh because it, a lot of it is, is is playing for seating, right? So for postseason seating, they, they've changed the parameters for, for strength of schedule. They've changed the parameters for how important wins wins and losses are. Um, and so, you know, our big thing is can we avoid going to uh, the end of Cape Cod for a tournament game? Now, I laugh at that because that's probably a three-and-a-half-hour drive, and the entire state of Massachusetts would have a meltdown about a three-and-a-half-hour drive, and you guys probably do that as a normal day in the park. Uh, so, you know, we do everything we can to stay home as long as possible. Sure. Um, and, like, we have a 10-point uh, differential, point differential. That plays into it. Mm-hmm. Wins and losses plays into it. The wins and losses of other teams play into it, but it does not matter 
it, what division they're in. Mm-hmm. So we can go play a bigger school or a smaller school, and it's really about their success. It mm-hmm. does not matter how big they are. So to okay. me, that's the most important thing. I'm convinced that's why we were in the state finals, because we were home until the final four, uh-huh. um, and teams were traveling to us. Yeah. That was huge. Um, and then, you know, seating in, in the regionals, things like that. Um, but we also do have a two-year sort of buying a home and away, yeah. right? So yep. if I'm going to play you, I'm going to play you next year yep. as well. So if you lose four starters like I am, that might hurt us a little bit mm-hmm. next year because we scheduled accordingly. But that's the nature of the ebbs and flows of high school basketball. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, how about you, Coach? It depends on my group. Depends on the state of the program. So if I feel like, for instance, we're going from year two to year three this year, um, we're right on the verge, I think, uh, of being able to kind of ramp up, quote unquote. And I don't want to disrespect anybody who we're playing. Yeah, <laughs> we're playing, you know, Southern Nazarene this year at our place in a home and home return. Then they won the GAC last year. Uh, but you know, we play in the Lone Star Conference. It's a chess match every night. It's a it's a dog fight. So. It is, would be beneficial for us to schedule non-conference games in the current state of our program to build a little bit of confidence. We already have enough heavy hitters that you know help our power rankings and all the things that you know involve regional. Which again, we're not there yet. So you know, when we get to the point of some of the top-tier teams in our current league, you know, the West Texases, the Lubbock Christians, you know, at that time we're probably scheduling what they do, which are more difficult tournaments against ranked opponents at, at neutral sites and those sorts of things because, you know, it matters when lose or draw to those better teams coming out of the gauntlet of the Lone Star, they look back at that preseason schedule and they say, all right, they beat this club who's second in their region over here. That means that they go above that team in the, in the region rankings for their for their postseason. So, you know, those are discussions that happen along the way of the development of a program. My current state right now, you know, we're looking for teams who we can compete with, who we have a chance to beat. Um, I don't schedule NAI programs or um, – you know, schools that, you know, are almost walkthroughs, if you will, you know, just for, because I feel that gives you a false sense of confidence that you don't necessarily need. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, so I kind of walk that fine line. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I think it really depends. And then as you guys go, I would imagine it depends on, you know, I have a, a large returning senior class. They can handle going into the Lions then somewhere early in the year, getting challenged, maybe taking an L, mm-hmm. coming back from that in certain ways to prepare us for the postseason you know, game that we're going to have in a similar environment, those sorts of things, right? So yeah. um, that's kind of just my philosophy. Yeah. Uh, obviously, in Class A in Nebraska, we have limited limited control over our schedules. Uh, the, the one thing that we've um, looked at is in the Metro do, Conference. Do you, do you have the deal like the football coaches do where you can say – here, you know, we you know you have to play Millard West, Millard North, let's say. But can you say we'd like to play Lincoln Southwest? Do you, do you have that? Do you, do you sure. fill that we, out? We get input on um, what they call the, the out of metro teams that we okay. play in the state. We can request, hey, these are our, the list of preferred teams that we mm-hmm. would want to play mm-hmm. based on, for whatever reason that is, whether it's parity or. Mm-hmm travel distance or yeah etc okay. so i didn't mean to interrupt well, i did mean to interrupt you but I, that popped into my head but the thing the metro still plays we play most of our games friday saturday back to back so the one thing that we can control our home games is is looking to avoid that back to back and we did that last year um for the first time 
and there's there's pros and cons. So when you usually play Friday, Saturday, at least in Omaha, your biggest draw is Friday night. Friday night home games are a big deal for the student body. And so if you play a Friday, Saturday, and you have a Friday night home game, do you want to move that game to Tuesday or Thursday, knowing that that's going to impact the environment um, for your kids? But maybe it's more it's it could be healthier to have that recovery time uh, for your kids. Why do so, they do that? Why do they go Friday, Saturday? Um, that has been the Metro Conference for a, a lot of years. Because that's the way they've always done it. Okay. Because uh, the kids return home after the Friday game and then go back out on Saturday yeah. play back-to-backs? Yep, we yeah, play back, we play back-to-backs. And that's but, our... but you talk about travel. Most of your road trips are 20 minutes okay. at the Correct. most. You okay. know, Most so. of your games, for the most part, you might be going to Lincoln, which is an hour from Omaha. And okay. if you really play an outstate school, then you're probably going to make sure that that's not back. But that's not always the case. Sometimes you do have back-to-backs, but it would be only one travel day. Um, within that, within can I that ask a, a side question from that then? Is that allowed? I don't know. Um, sure. Okay. <laughs> so how does that affect um, practice, prep, scout? How do you... Okay, so that's that's what we kind of experimented with last year because we moved a lot of those home games that we could control. If we were playing a Friday, Saturday, we might we would move that Friday home game to either Thursday or Tuesday night um, for the ones that we could control. So we learned there's pros and cons because if you have that full practice week Monday through Thursday, you can really focus on you and get better at a lot of things. And as far as opponents prep, we would typically, if we have a Saturday opponent that we want to look at, we might do a few things that we need to focus on for them on Monday practice, right? And then you you do your next opponent scout, maybe Wednesday, Thursday. Yeah. Um, and then you do it. It's, it's a quick turnaround. But what we found was putting it up is a lot of times you didn't have that chunk of time that we were used to to getting better for yourself. For yourself. Absolutely. Um, yeah. So, and it turned out we had a we had an injury plague season. I had I had one player that played in every game for us this year. Wow. Um, so, yeah. you know the 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 point was for health reasons we looked at trying to shift those and avoid those back to back. It didn't keep us healthy uh, uh-huh. in the end. Not that I mean, just for for other reasons we were we weren't we weren't healthy all year. But yeah. Um, but we found that there's pros and cons. Uh, to, to doing it both ways. Well, I think the rhythm of the days of the week that the games fall on is critical, too, because, yeah. you know, my JUCO league, when I was there, we were Wednesday, Saturday, so Monday was us, Tuesday was prep, Wednesday was game, Thursday was us, or recovery, or off, or film, Friday was prep, and Saturday was play, Sunday it's was like off. G-pack. So it was a relatively normal rotation. Since the, my last two stops have been Thursday, Saturday, so that Friday isn't, you know, you still have to prep as you're recovering, which changes the game a little bit, um, you know. And and for me, like, I really learned from my most from my former boss, like, you know, weekends off all the way through October, uh, you know, all you know, just not we're gonna be on enough Saturdays types of things. So, you know, really. And I used to have a fear, and I think old school coaches or those who are brought up old school have a fear of two days off in a row. That third day, you know, that first day back after two days off is difficult. I think that stuff's gone away now. So. Yeah. You know, the, back the science has helped with that. Yeah, quite yeah. a bit. Our volleyball program, go, our volleyball league goes Friday, Saturday, and that they travel, so they'll go play, get off, you know, get off the court, get on a bus, and drive six hours, spend the night, play the next night, come home, you know, which is ridiculous and, and unnecessary. But we go Thursday, Saturday, and um, I love the idea of a February practice where you can literally not worry about who you're 
playing. Those are things that when you do have that Wednesday, Saturday rotation, it kind of sometimes makes it harder for you to, well, let's get some of the stuff in on Monday and then we'll really prep on Tuesday. And then you start to eliminate, you know, that really inward thinking and inward, you know, looking uh, along after a while or whatever, you, you know, the, the case is. So, yeah, it's different. And the challenge for us is we weren't consistent. It wasn't always then Tuesday. It was each week was a, was a little bit different for our kids, which. Yeah. Yeah, we're all over the place. Uh, we could have a week where we have a game on Thursday, and that's it. And then the next week we come back Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, or something like that. You know, it's it's just, you know, and, and part of ours is just, you know, conference schedules and things like that. And I think in our conference, I think they've tried to move try to have a conference game every Friday, right? I think is what they're trying to do. They're trying to get all conference games on Friday nights. And like Tim was saying, the, high, the, the, the stereotypical high school environment and that type of thing. But um, Well, you have to consider, too, I mean, trying to get the ma- trying to maximize the experience for all the kids in, the, in both the boys' and the girls' program. Yeah. So, like, we're Tuesday, Friday games for half the season, our league games. Mm. The boys are Monday, Thursday, and then we switch. Oh. Yeah. So that way, you're talking about, you know, a Friday night game. You're getting, you're, you know, you're not. The boys aren't on the road, yeah. so therefore, they're, you know, they're some of our biggest supporters yeah. are, are the other athletic teams. So, yeah. the really focusing on that, I think, is is important for for programs across the board, and we're really fortunate to have that. And, and we're we're a small community, and, and I think we only have two nights that we don't play with the boys it's 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 a it's a four banger jv varsity or jv boys girls varsity boys varsity girls i mean it's four games and it's it's a community event and and uh, you know we have brothers and sisters playing together you know and so we have to take that into consideration i know tj and i talk about okay is this not only is it a good game okay is it a good game for you is it a good game for me does it fit our profile and what we need and is it a good game for our community you know uh is it going to be uh good for our 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 parents our 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 boosters our our active uh supporters to to drive that length of of time when when we you know the next year when we have to go there you know things like that we we really try to take that into consideration um and we don't we don't always agree 100 percent, but the vast majority of time we we do and and i think that's a consideration and sometimes you you know and we've shifted our schedule around a little bit the last couple of years and it's kind of like okay this boy girl matchup might be a little bit better for the boys right now, but the next time we change it, okay, here's here's something that we need for maybe it's a little bit better matchup for the girls. Let's meet halfway, and and and, and TJ has been awesome to work with in, in that regard. So, so we've got that dynamic with our scheduling as well. Is is we've got those mechanisms working into it as well. So, so that's where we're at. So, um, anything else? No. Oh, we're good. All right. What do we want to talk about next? We got two other things. We got about time for one. We got we got time for one. What do you want? Analytics or post play? Analytics. Yeah. Analytics. I agree. All right. Liz, the decision maker. We were and this is you know Ryan and I were sitting at uh, lunch, and there's about four or five of us just 
I didn't say anything. I was listening. I was just ping, you know, listening to everybody. Ping. But we're talking about lineup analytics. What God, What else were we talking about? Just uh, shooting percentage, efficiency, yeah, efficiency, all these different things. So and just how to grade it, how to how to develop a tool that is beneficial in a way that you can make mm-hmm. tangible change, mm-hmm. or just at least you know, just you know, readable data. Well, it felt like so. So so let's go with this. Um, what is what is at least one we'll start with one thing for each of us what's one analytical thing that you do within your program that is really really important to you that you convey to your team to help develop your team you know, I, I mean I can start to kind of give you an idea of what I'm thinking of so, so we my assistant does uh, we still do the old Don Meyer shot chart you know four is a layup or a free throw three is a wide open jump shot three two one zero and as we were trying to build some confidence with our kids we couldn't necessarily worry about the scoreboard our uh, what we've really focused on is are we getting the shots that we need and eventually hopefully those shots will go in so we spent a lot of time talking about shot efficiency and, and our kids understand what the system is you know uh, we when you know when uh, West High scored 22 points on us in the in the third quarter, we'll take a look at their shot efficiency. Kids, well, it was a a, a 3.2. Well, they should score 22 points if if they're that high on it, okay? But if they scored 22 points and we graded it out and their shot offense efficiency was 2.1, well, they just sometimes that happens, you know, type of a thing. So that is one thing that we have really used as a tool to emphasize to our kids is take away good shots and get good shots for us to kind of simplify it for them so that they know this is a good shot this is not a good shot and we'll say hey you know right now it's only fours and threes we're going to work our offense in our shell drill fours and threes are the only thing and if you if you shoot a two if you shoot a one or if we get a zero then there's you know whatever it may be and and that has helped emphasize that with us so that's my thing who wants who wants to go my, my three guests are staring and at before each other. You, so. And before you enter in, one of the pre-pod comments that Liz made from what I remember is how we also implement that into our practice planning, mm-hmm. right? Yes. So yeah, the practice, value yeah. of it, the importance of it, why, but then how, if, if there's a drill you do that kind of emphasizes. Sure. So we we look at with our kids just those, those four, the standard four factors, right, that determine the outcome of a basketball game, and we always start there. So if you're effective field goal percentage offense and defense you have your rebounding percentage defense and offense your turnover percentage and then your free throw factor um, and then when you look at those well, which one of these is an area that is being impactful for us right now in a good way or a bad way right and then obviously using huddle and, and huddle assist if let's say it's let's say turnovers we just right now our turnover percentage is too much let's go pull those clips of all of our turnovers why are we turning it over? Okay, well, now let's look. This is the why. We can show you the why. Now how can we take practice time to uh, 
get better at it. Get better at that. Emphasize it and actually give here are, here are some reasons, right, that, that this is a particular particular problem. Or it might be, you know, and it changes year year to year what analytics or what we're going to emphasize. So maybe, you know, we're not a very good shoot. We know we're not a very good shooting team. Well, let's be the best offensive rebounding team that we can be, and we're going to chart offensive rebounding efforts. So our three crashers, we're going to chart what percentage of the time are you getting two feet in the paint when a shot's in the air. Uh-huh. Um, so I think you can you can use the, the analytics and chart things that uh, that you need to emphasize for that particular group of kids. Yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah. Uh, you know, the analytics side of it, we don't, we chart our practices with turnovers and uh, defensive, uh, we have a defensive chart and an offensive chart. You know, how many times do you check um, and actually make the effort to block a body off if they if they're a balanced you know just and they, they seem fundamental and a little bit more simplified than the efficiency numbers but for us you know we can really give charted data you know like and why aren't I playing well you know I'm scoring when I'm out there or whatever the case may be well this is something that is impacting our winning and our losing like you mentioned um, three areas of the game that we that we cover every day and then build our analytics into our on-ball D, ball screen D, and transition D, you know, and so like at the table this afternoon at lunch, there was talks of kills and turkeys and three in a row on either side of the ball and those sorts of things. We don't chart those as much as we just chart the specifics and the individual parts of them. And then, you know, if we can um, get the kids to buy in, they take care of that stuff in the long run anyway. Um, You know, hey, you know, that could have been if we had just, you know, those sorts of things. And they start to lead discussions along the way. But, um, you know, the analytical side for us, the shot selection stuff, um, you know, the Mike Neighbors green light shooting, things of that nature, we've, yeah. we've implemented that stuff. And then, you know, it's hard to admit that you're a red light, you know, and that influences <laughs> practice planning and off and outside gym time that is, you know, spent by the kids and those sorts of things. So, um, I know that was a lot of really kind of nothing, but we, we analytically we we talk in specific you know possession, the turnover efficiency, like you mentioned, but just the rebounding is a huge thing for us. We send kids back. We don't crash everybody, but um, but if we do have a crasher, we're we're making sure it's the right one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A little bit. You have the opportunity though at, with the college game. Your kids aren't in pra- uh, or in in class all day. So if they're a red light, you could say, hey, you need to meet with Coach Johnson from 9.30 to 10 o'clock. You want to get off that red light? You're going to meet with her until you get to a yellow light or whatever it may be. So that is a little bit of a twist on that that you're able to do that's a little bit harder for us as well. But, yeah, so Liz? Uh, It's interesting you talk about that too because I I think we really try to stay away from actually telling any high school girl to not – shoot or to have better shot selection because they will just then not shoot at all Uh um, because they don't want to disappoint. So a lot of our focus, just in terms of a kind of a side note, um, is trying to put people in a position to be successful more so than telling them when and when not to, Uh what might be a good shot or a bad shot. I think it just, it's it's when is the ball in their hands. So let's hope that when it's in their hands in a position to be successful, well, you know, also sometimes you just say, please shoot it before you turn it over, right? <laughs> um, so, but analytically, and, and I, I would have to give my assistant coach credit on this, is, is he also happens to be married to me, uh, which, yeah. God bless him. Um, oh. oh. He went back 
nine years and looked at our shooting percentages and we've been one year we were nine and eleven and this past year we're twenty three and four and we're within two percentage points field goal percentage all those years so he's the offensive guy and he said okay so if we shoot the same percentage regardless of how good we are how do we how do we win what's the best way to then chart and it's got to be controllable so like sometimes you do turnover percentage and you you're playing a team you can't get the ball over half court and it's like okay well (laughs) it is what it is and so this past year we were a very run and gun oriented team and our goal was to get 70 at least 70 shots a game yeah we didn't care if they were in transition we didn't care if they were threes we didn't care if they were layups because we were not going to get an offensive rebound in the half court so to us, it's a good shot to take a transition three because we can also go get go get the boards, right? Mm-hmm. Our opponents, we wanted to take 50 or under. Now, if you're taking 70 and they're taking 50, yeah. you, you probably and your shooting percentage is the same every year. You can control that. Yeah. So and, and that's that's difference in in the game is right. is, is that yeah sorry I did. so I mean so, so tangibly it, it then doesn't matter kids don't have to think about that they just have to work the philosophy yeah so now you're throwing in the transition drills and you're throwing in um, you know advantage break and you're throwing in you know who, who's rebounding and going to get it we're pressing you know 12 second shot clock drills mm-hmm. um you know, I play called touch the wall, but basically five on four situations or three on three transition and stuff like that. That said, I don't have that same personnel next year, so yeah. maybe that changes. Um, but I also think there's probably, and you guys can speak to this certainly too. But I, th- I think with that age group, and you talk about mental health and all that kind of stuff. One, I don't like my kids thinking too much, and two, yeah. uh, the girls versus boys shot selection versus instead I phrase it as just put somebody in a position to be successful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and what what we're trying to do is just like what we're talking about with that shot selection thing is is hey, that's a good shot. We want you to shoot it. And yes, right. maybe more often than not you're probably not going to make it, but we're going to encourage you to shoot it because if we tell you not to shoot it and not encourage you, hey, that is a good shot. Keep shooting it like that, you know, then that will okay. They'll they'll defend better. They'll rebound harder, and and things like that. And that's part of what we try to do with our kids. And then you're talking about the the seventy versus fifty. And I I think um, one of the things as I've watched, you know, you watch the NBA or you watch Division One men's basketball. The you know Arkansas has the the fiftieth best scoring team in the country, and they average seventy two points a game. Missouri averages. 70.5 points per game and they are 194th in scoring in the country. Well, there, it's a point and a half between the two and there's 150 teams in between them. You know, so for me it's it's just like you were saying this, creating the number of shots, the volume of shots to increase the scoring because like you said, the, the percentage is roughly about the same. How do you do that? There's basically two ways you do it. Force of turnovers or getting offensive rebounds. You know, and, and that's how you, that's that's how you pretty much do it. Or maybe a third way is it is if you got an aggressive team that drives to the basket and gets to the free throw line a lot, and then you can get extra points there or create that margin there because you're getting the free throws, you know, that type of thing. So that's any, anything else on that? Just one thing I heard on the way up here on a podcast was 
evaluating players in your own program and the gentleman who was speaking to it was a is a professional men's coach in France he said that he he signs guys for his uh, team based on their uh, stats per 40 minutes so rather than hey coach this guy averages 12 points a game and six rebounds a game there's so many intangibles that involve that that in order to apples to apples the conversation it's what does he do per 40 and I and I referenced that at the lunch table today yeah you did say that yeah. and you know one gentleman who's a high school girls coach in Houston said you know he does his kids per his own kids in his program per 24 uh-huh. and that leads to lineup uh, decisions and and you know because another gentleman at the table mentioned you know he works for a guy who self you know admits says I still coach with my gut you can give me all the analytics you want but there are still times I'm looking out there and I'm coaching with my gut and so but what the gentleman from Houston said was, yeah, but if your gut is more informed, you can make better decisions, yeah. right? So I, that was something that I hadn't done or I hadn't heard. And like I say, I think I'm behind a little bit in some of the analytic talk. But just the per 40, I think, is, is a huge benefit to, you know, taking out some of those uncontrollables and tangibles that maybe impact stat lines and, mm-hmm. and your gut, yeah. you know. I think you have to find a way to quantify things sometimes that get overlooked, right? You know, we talked about scoring and other things, but when you charge charges or, or dives on the floor, or overall hustle points, and, and you let your kids that aren't the scorers um, and don't get the headlines, when, when you let them see those quantifiable numbers, they, this kid had, he was plus 16 tonight in the game. He didn't even score a basket for us. But he did all those things that we want to do, right? His box out percentage was fantastic. His gun starts every time we got a defensive rebound. He sprinted the floor, um, and, and celebrating and sharing those with your kids, I think, is uh, yeah. But nice I would food. say too, I, I think too. I mean, we talk numbers, and that's great. But but also, you know, kids are visual learners, right? And and yes, there's numbers. Uh, I like to keep it as simple as uh, basketball is a game of balance. My job is to keep us on balance and to keep you off balance. Whoever does that more wins for us. We're very unorthodox defensively because we don't want people to run their 16 man-to-man, whatever it is. And we are going to try to make it so that you have to think the entire game. Uh We are going to show that on film. It's not a stat. It's are they on balance here or not? Yeah. And that could be when we are on offense and we are in our flow. It could be when we're on defense and they are or not. And you talk about, like, like getting that kid. You go, okay, look what you did right there. That kid, look at their body. They're mm. not in balance. Mm. You did that. Yeah. And it's not a tangible, quantifiable number. But my kids, like, that's how they learn. Hey, yeah. you see that kid that just wanted to sub because she's crying? You didn't touch her? But you're so you're you've kept her off balance her that rattled. much. Yeah. You win. Yeah. So that that to me is the ultimate key to basketball: balance or no balance. Just put a percentage on that. <laughs> I, like that. I, I feel like I'm sitting next to Mr. Miyagi right now. Yeah. No, I like that. We like that. chopsticks too. We, <laughs> catch catch the fly with flies. the chopsticks. Yes. Right. So. Wax on, wax off. We have to go back to work, unfortunately. I'd like to sit here for another hour or so and talk about this stuff, but uh, we have to go back to work in about ten minutes and, and Schlaba. Uh, I got warm-ups to run. I still have. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's, you got to do that. So, uh, Liz, Ryan, Tim, thanks so much for coming on here. Appreciate you. I've always appreciated your support and everything. And, and uh, uh, 
Thanks for taking you. You could be napping here at Snow Valley. I'm not Valley. done with my report cards. I got to do my big ask. Uh, yeah, I got two of my seven I'm done. I got five more to do. I'm going to do that in my my off game uh, today. I think I can crank them out in, yeah. in 45 minutes if I put my nose to the grindstone. Yeah, uh, or, or get very close anyway. Yeah. So, uh, but I appreciate your time. Appreciate appreciate coming in and and uh, always love seeing you guys here, Tim. We got to do something other than. You know, it's, it's, it should be much easier for us than sure, what we're making it. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So, thank you, Marty, again yeah, for what you're thank doing. You. This is big time stuff. Yeah, Love thank it. You. Yeah, thanks. So, uh, Snow Valley number two of two. It's just the sequel. Uh, we're not going to make The Godfather three. Uh, so uh, it's been a lot of fun here. Uh, by the time you hear this, I'll be at home. Uh, probably in kind of a self-induced coma. I'm gonna need. I'm gonna, I'm gonna need to. Uh, I, I woke up with a cramp in my thigh at like 3:30 in the morning this morning. So yeah. I got to drink a little bit more water, a little less of this Mountain Dew I've been sipping on since we've been going here. So, but uh, appreciate your time, uh, coaches. If you if you get a chance to to send your kids to Snow Valley, if you have the opportunity, I I don't mean this in like a whatever way. I'm I'm too old and I got too much going on in my life to do a whole lot of other things outside of what I need to do but I have really made a commitment to come here every year because I think it's that important I'm learning things every day working with kids you work in a different environment it forces you to be uncomfortable because it's not your stuff I I think it's just a great learning tool for coaches I think it's a great thing for your kids to come here to do Um, there's just so many good things so look up coach show look up coach Laba uh, at Snow Valley camps if you're interested I can't say enough good things about it and it's just an awesome experience to be here so that's all I got. Coaches, as always, let's be sure to hone our craft one day 